today is May 29th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in. Welcome back. It is Memorial Day here in the United States. And I want to, of course, recognize and remember those who have served and sacrificed their lives in our armed forces. And if you've lost someone who served in the military and this day hits a little different for you, just know that you're in a lot of people's thoughts and prayers today, including mine. And it's okay to be sad if that's what comes up for you. That is perfectly normal to have some feelings around this day when we are observing those who have lost their lives. That said, I also found out just a day ago that May is National Military Month. And my brother, uncle, nephew, had a lot of people in the armed forces in my family. I never knew this. So I also want to acknowledge and thank those of you who have served or are serving in the military for your service and for answering the call of honor and duty for our country. To the rest of y'all, I hope that you're enjoying this three-day weekend, resting, relaxing, traveling, or hanging out with the ones that you love. Now, as far as today's reading goes, we are picking up where we left off in 2 Samuel, where we see what's going on with Absalom, David's son. Remember, Absalom had been kicked out of the country for killing his half-brother Amnon, who had raped his sister Tamar. That is a whole mess right there. But Joab, this is what's going to be happening today. Joab, who was David's right-hand man, he had a plan to bring Absalom back into Jerusalem. Now, he sent a woman to David to tell him a story that would make him feel sorry for Absalom and let him come home. David was not feeling it at first, but he finally gave in and said Absalom could come back, but he didn't want to see his face. Now, Absalom coming back to Jerusalem was not a good thing for David or the kingdom because Absalom was not just any son of David. He was the son that everybody loved and admired. The Bible says Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. That's the New Living Translation. He cut his hair only once a year and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. Y'all, can you imagine that? Five pounds of hair? And flawless from head to foot, he must have been fine as wine, honey. And I am not going to front. I was trying to picture what he could have looked like for them to call him the most handsome man in all of Israel. But that's why you can't get caught up in nobody's looks because Absalom had some issues in his heart. He was treacherous to his father. These bros ain't loyal. He was full of pride and ambition and he wanted to be the king himself. So he starts this scheme and this plot against David and he uses his charm and his beauty to win over the people. Ooh, he was so slick with it. Wait till y'all see it. He would sit at the gate of the city and act like he cared about the people in their pride. He would say things like, oh, if only I were the judge of this land, then everyone who has a complaint or case would come to me and I would see to it that they receive justice. He was playing them like a fiddle, y'all. And he did this for, I think it was, it was four years. Don't quote me. We're going to read about it. 
but he did it for long enough to garner the support to start a rebellion against David. He went to Hebron, where David had been anointed as king before, and he declared himself king there. And then he sent messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to invite people to join him. And the Bible says that the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. Even some of David's friends and advisors turned against him and joined his son. Now, when David heard about this, he knew he had to get out of Jerusalem fast. And that's where I'm going to stop for right now with this pre-commentary, because this story is not over yet. As a matter of fact, we haven't even begun this part, and I didn't just about told y'all everything. And well, the book is always better than the movie, or in this case, I guess, It's better than the person telling you about it, which is me. There is more drama and more action coming up in the next chapters. And I promise I'm not going to tell y'all nothing. You're going to have to see everything for yourself. But, oh, let's get into it now. Let's get into this word. Second Samuel chapter 14, verse one through chapter 15, verse 22. God's word translation. Absalom returns to Jerusalem. Job, Zeruiah's son, knew the king was still thinking about Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa to get a clever woman from there. He told her, please act like a mourner and dress in mourning clothes. Don't rub olive oil on yourself, but act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Go to the king and tell him this. Then Joab told her exactly what to say. The woman from Tekoa came to the king and immediately bowed down with her face touching the ground. Help me, your majesty, she said. The king asked her, what can I do for you? She answered, I'm a widow. My husband is dead. I had two sons who quarreled in the field and there was no one to separate them. One killed the other. Then the entire family turned against me. They said, give us the man who killed his brother so that we can kill him because he took his brother's life. We're going to destroy the one who now would be the heir. In this way, they wish to extinguish the one burning coal that is left for me. They will not let my husband's name or descendants remain on the face of the earth. Go home, the king told the woman. I will order someone to take care of this matter. The woman from Tekoa said to the king, Let me be held responsible for the sin, your majesty. Let my father's family be held responsible. Your majesty and your throne are innocent. The king said, If anyone says anything against you, bring him to me. He'll never harm you again. She said, Your Majesty, please pray to the Lord your God in order to keep an avenger from doing more harm by destroying my son. I solemnly swear as the Lord lives, he said, not a hair on your son's head will fall to the ground. The woman said, Please, let me say something else to you. Speak, he said. Why have you devised something like this against God's people? She said. When you say this, you condemn yourself because you haven't brought back the one you banished. We are all going to die. We are all like water that is poured on the ground and can't be gathered up. But doesn't God forgive a person? He never plans to keep a banished person in exile. I've come to say this to you because the people have frightened me. So I thought I will speak to the king about this. Maybe the king will do something for me, his subject. Maybe the king will listen and rescue me, his subject, from the man who wants to cut off both me and my son from our God-given inheritance. 
I thought that you would reassure me. You are like God's messenger who is able to distinguish right from wrong. May the Lord your God be with you. The king said to the woman, Please don't refuse to answer the question I'm going to ask you. The woman responded, Please speak, your majesty. Did Joab put you up to this? The king asked. The woman answered, I solemnly swear on your life, your majesty. You are absolutely right. Yes, your servant Joab ordered me to do this. He told me to say exactly what I said. Your servant Joab has done this to portray the matter in a different light. You are as wise as God's messenger who knows everything on earth. Then the king told Joab, This is what you'll do. Bring back the young man Absalom. Joab quickly bowed down with his face touching the ground, and he blessed the king. He said, Today I know that you have been kind to me because you have done what I wanted. So Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, Absalom should return to his own house. He will not see me. So Absalom returned to his house and didn't see the king. Now, no one in all Israel was praised for his good looks as much as Absalom was. He had no blemish from head to toe. At the end of every year, he used to cut his hair because it became heavy for him. When he cut his hair on his head and weighed it, it weighed five pounds according to the royal standard. Absalom had three sons and one daughter. His daughter Tamar was a beautiful woman. Absalom stayed in Jerusalem two full years without seeing the king. So Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but he still refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine. He has barley in it. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set it on fire. Joab's servants came to him in grief and said, Absalom's servants have set your field on fire. Then Joab immediately went to Absalom at his home. Why did your servant set my field on fire? He asked. Absalom answered Joab, I sent someone to tell you to come here because I wanted to send you to the king to ask him why I had to come from Gesher. It would be better for me if I were still there. Let me see the king now. If I'm guilty of a sin, he should kill me. Joab went to the king and told him this. The king then called for Absalom, who came to the king and bowed down with his face touching the ground. And the king kissed Absalom. David overthrown. Soon after this, Absalom acquired a chariot, horses, and fifty men to run ahead of him. Absalom used to get up early and stand by the road leading to the city gate. When anyone had a case to be tried by King David, Absalom would ask, Which city are you from? After the person had told him which tribe in Israel he was from, Absalom would say, Your case is good and proper, but the king hasn't appointed anyone to hear it. He would add, I wish someone would make me judge in the land. Then anyone who had a case to be tried could come to me, and I would make sure he got justice. When anyone approached him and bowed down, Absalom would reach out, take hold of him, and kiss him. This is what he did for all Israelites who came to the king to have him try their case. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Four years later, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and keep the vow I made to the Lord. 
I made a vow while I was living at Geshur in Aram. I said, if the Lord will bring me back to Jerusalem, I will serve the Lord. Go in peace, the king told him. So he went to Hebron. But Absalom sent his loyal supporters to all the tribes of Israel and said, When you hear the sound of the ram's horn, say, Absalom has become king in Hebron. Two hundred men invited from Jerusalem went with Absalom. They went innocently, knowing nothing about Absalom's plans. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, David's advisor, to come from his home in Gilo. Meanwhile, the conspiracy grew stronger, and the number of people siding with Absalom kept getting larger. Someone came to tell David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. David flees Jerusalem. David told all his men who were with him in Jerusalem, Let's flee immediately, or none of us will escape from Absalom. Let's leave right away, or he'll catch up to us and bring disaster on us when he massacres the city. The king's servants told him, No matter what happens, we are your majesty's servants. The king left on foot, and his whole household followed him except ten concubines, whom the king left behind to take care of the palace. As the king and his troops were leaving the city on foot, they stopped at the last house. All his mercenaries passed by him, all the Cherethites, all the Pelethites, Ittai, and all six hundred men who had followed him from Gath were marching past the king. The king asked Ittai from Gath, Why should you go with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came to us just yesterday. Should I make you wander around with me when I don't even know where I am going? Go back and take your countrymen with you. May the Lord always show you kindness. But Ittai answered the king, I solemnly swear, as the Lord and the king live, wherever you are, whether you're dead or alive, I'll be there. So David told Ittai, Go ahead and keep marching. So Ittai from Gath marched on with all his men and all the families who were with him. John 18 verses 1 through 24. Jesus is arrested. After Jesus finished his prayer, he went with his disciples to the other side of the Kidron Valley. They entered the garden that was there. Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus and his disciples often gathered there. So Judas took a troop of soldiers and the guards from the chief priests and Pharisees and went to the garden. They were carrying lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him, so he went to meet them and asked, Who are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus from Nazareth. Jesus told them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with the crowd. When Jesus told them, I am he, the crowd backed away and fell to the ground. Jesus asked them again, Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus from Nazareth. Jesus replied, I told you that I am he, so if you are looking for me, let these other men go. In this way, what Jesus had said came true. I lost none of those you gave me. Simon Peter had a sword. He drew it, attacked the chief priest's servant, and cut off the servant's right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus told Peter, Put your sword away. Shouldn't I drink the cup of suffering that my father has given me? 
Then the army officer and the Jewish guards arrested Jesus. They tied Jesus up and took him first to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the chief priest that year, was the person who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one man die for the people. Peter denies Jesus. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. The other disciple was well known to the chief priest. So that disciple went with Jesus into the chief priest's courtyard. Peter, however, was standing outside the gate. The other disciple talked to the woman who was the gatekeeper and brought Peter into the courtyard. The gatekeeper asked Peter, Aren't you one of this man's disciples too? Peter answered, No, I'm not. The servants and the guards were standing around a fire they had built and were warming themselves because it was cold. Peter was standing there too and warming himself with the others. The chief priest questions Jesus. The chief priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly for everyone to hear. I have always taught in synagogues or in the temple courtyard where all the Jews gather. I haven't said anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I said to them. They know what I've said. When Jesus said this, one of the guards standing near Jesus slapped his face and said, Is that how you answer the chief priest? Jesus replied to him, If I've said anything wrong, tell me what it was. But if I've told the truth, why do you hit me? Annas sent Jesus to Caiaphas, the chief priest. Jesus was still tied up. Psalm 119 verses 97 through 112. Oh, how I love your teachings. They are in my thoughts all day long. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, because your commandments are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your written instructions are in my thoughts. I have more wisdom than those with many years of experience, because I have obeyed your guiding principles. I have kept my feet from walking on any evil path in order to obey your word. I have not neglected your regulations because you have taught me. How sweet the taste of your promise is. It tastes sweeter than honey. From your guiding principles, I gain understanding. That is why I hate every path that leads to lying. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I took an oath and I will keep it. I took an oath to follow your regulations, which are based on your righteousness. I have suffered so much. Give me a new life, O Lord, as you promised. Please accept the praise I gladly give you, O Lord, and teach me your regulations. I always take my life into my own hands, but I never forget your teachings. Wicked people have set a trap for me, but I have never wandered away from your guiding principles. Your written instructions are mine forever. They are the joy of my heart. I have decided to obey your laws. They offer a reward that never ends. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. Better a few possessions gained honestly than many gained through injustice. A person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for this gift that is your word. We are amazed constantly by your grace and your mercy and how you welcome us back with open arms, even when we mess up and hurt you or others. Lord, we are so thankful for your faithfulness and for your protection, how you watch over us and shield us from harm when we face enemies and challenges that come up against us. Lord, we are so sorry for our sins and we ask for your forgiveness. We admit that we often go our own way and do our own thing instead of following your way and doing your thing. Lord, we admit that sometimes we take you for granted and we take some of the other people who you have placed in our lives for granted and we don't show respect or gratitude. Lord, we admit that sometimes we act like Absalom who was full of himself and wanted to take what wasn't his. Lord, we ask that you would just wash us through and through. Clean us, Lord. Make us new. We ask that you would also heal our broken relationships and our broken places. Lord, restore our peace. Lord, with you and with others, we pray for those who are hurting because of what we said or what we did. We pray for those who we hurt because we were their enemy. Lord, and we also pray for those who are hurting because of what others said or did. Lord, we ask right now that you would comfort them, heal them, and mitigate any adverse reactions that they may have experienced as a result of what someone else did to them or as a result of what we may have done to them. Lord, give them new life, new energy, new friends, new relationships, new passions. Lord, we pray that you would help us to forgive as you forgave us to continually forgive, Lord, and to love as you love us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to resist the temptation of pride and ambition and egotism. Lord, we ask that you would help us to just follow your will, to see it through. And Lord, we ask that you would just fill us with your wisdom. Keep us humble and keep us teachable, Lord, that you would always show us the way and we would be open to following the way. Lord, we pray that you would help us to seek your glory in your kingdom, not our glory, Lord, not our popularity. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit and give us your power to do the work that you would have us do in this world. Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and our Savior. Amen. And our affirmation for today I harmonize my work with rest, play, and service. God made me a joyful person, not a weary, worn-out one. I harmonize my work with rest, play, and service. God made me a joyful person, not a weary, worn-out one. And our aphorism. An apology without change is just manipulation. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this epic excursion with me. May the infinite love of the Father embrace you, the enduring strength of the Son sustain you, and the boundless wisdom of the Spirit enlighten you. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day.